Welcome to Sports Bites, your bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each episode, I'll look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. In today's episode, I'll break down the weekend that was in college football, we'll talk about Oklahoma and Texas, and I'll go over some other stadium food options as we continue to check out stadiumreviews.com. Now, coming into this weekend, number one, Georgia, they've had some close calls, right? Maybe even got out of Auburn a little bit lucky without a loss, because I, I, I still think they should have lost that game if Brock Bowers doesn't just go absolutely crazy in that game at the end of it. But Saturday between the hedges for the first time this year, Georgia flexed their muscle, okay? The two-time defending national champion just mollywopped Kentucky 51-13. Kentucky never got going, and it looks like they never even showed up for the game. You know, and now it kind of brings you to thinking about Mark Stoops. And, you know, recently everything was posted about, you know, the, the top paid coaches in college football. And Mark Stoops is one of those guys. But he's getting paid championship type pay, but not really making the big game. You know, yeah, you just beat a Florida team, but how good is that Florida team? And it just seems like Kentucky really can't get over that hump of winning that big game. Now I know the East is tough. You're going against Georgia two-time defending national champion. But it just doesn't look like they're going to get over there, over that hump. And, you know, Georgia, you just got absolutely throttled. And the team looked like they weren't prepared. Kentucky gained a total of 183 yards on the day. Total. That's it, total. Devin Leary, you know, he was pedestrian at best. 10 of 26, 128 yards. Now, he did have two touchdowns, but Georgia, the defense bottled up Ray Davis, which I thought was the biggest weapon for Kentucky heading into the game. Really good, thick running back, strong running back, little bowling ball, but had good speed. Held Ray Davis to 59 yards. I mean, it just, Georgia opened up that can of whoop-ass. All right, Carson Beck, money, 389 yards through the air, four touchdowns. Brock Bowers continues to show why he's one of the best tight ends ever to play college football. Bowers had seven catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Now, next week, Georgia's going to be at Vanderbilt. Cakewalk. And next weekend, Kentucky will host an upset Missouri team. And you may ask, why is Missouri upset? Well, the number 21 Missouri Tigers at the time hosted the number 23 LSU Tigers, and it was another crazy SEC shootout. You know, all this stuff about SEC, where they play defense, it just means more. They play defense, right? Well, the Bayou Bengals fell behind again, like they did last week in Oxford against Ole Miss. They fell behind 22-7. Brady Cook, who had had a really good start to the year, and he played well. He played well. Still threw for 411 yards, two touchdowns, but threw his first two interceptions of the year, including a pick six. Now, the first interception, Harold Perkins Jr., who I was really high on coming into this year because of his freshman year last year with LSU, has really not done a lot this year. All right? But that interception ended an SEC record for Cook of 366 passes without an interception. That, that's incredible. Think about how some of these Offensive offenses have put up the ball, and man, he's doing a great job, you know, and especially for Eli Drinkwitz and that team. Luther Burden, the third, he's the big-time receiver, 111, uh, 112 yards receiving. Burden had 12 catches, I said 112. Burden had 12 catches for 149 yards. Then the former center, Theo Weiss, had a touchdown. Cody Schrader, who I'm, I'm getting more impressed with watching Cody Schrader run 
And uh, three touchdowns, 118 yards on the day. Starting to like the way Schrader carries the ball. But LSU's ground attack was amazing because both Jaden Daniels and Logan Diggs had over 100 yards on the ground. Now, LSU amassed 274 rushing yards. And I was a little bit worried because Garrett Nussmeyer had to come in for a series when Daniels got hurt. And that resulted in a no score and a crazy second half. And it's becoming the norm for LSU. Jaden Daniels willed his team to victory because the defense is absolutely abysmal. I don't know whose defense is worse, LSU or USC. But they're both extremely bad defenses. And I don't want to hear people come at me and talk about the SEC and me being an Oklahoma fan and Oklahoma coming to the SEC and playing. Yeah, I know. It's past. We're talking about right now because right now, a lot of teams in the SEC are not playing defense worth a damn. LSU returns home to play against their big rival, Auburn. And Missouri's going to head to the Bluegrass State to take on Kentucky. But, yeah, it's 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 really crazy to think where some of these defenses stand now in the SEC, right? You know, it used to be, you know, oh, yeah, SEC, their defenses. Not anymore. It's not where it's going. Now, Alabama's playing really good defense. Don't get that twisted. But other than that, man, it's just, it's it's tough out there. Number 25, Louisville. Now, for the third straight game in a row, Notre Dame faced a ranked opponent. Went to Cardinal Stadium. Cardinals got that signature win for head coach uh, Jeff Brom, right? They beat Notre Dame 33-20. The loss ended Notre Dame's 30-game regular season winning streak against ACC opponents. And that that's incredible to think about. Now, just join the ACC. Quit being one of these independents, you know, just lubing around. Do your thing, man. Louisville did a good job bottling up the Irish ground attack, only allowing 44 yards. Eric uh, Aldrich Estime just could not get going. They pressured Sam Hartman all night, forcing Hartman into three interceptions, in which by far was his worst game since he's come over to the Irish. Now, the Cardinals' defense, along with quarterback Jake Plummer, playing turnover-free football and an explosive ground game, which I was really impressed with, uh, impressed with Jawar Jordan, 143 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 21-yarder. And he also added this 45-yarder. Jawar Jordan hits the hole off right tackle. Jordan, here he goes. This place is going to rock. This place is going to rock. What used to be Papa John Stadium. You know, and looking at the ACC, there is a log jam at the top with teams like Louisville's undefeated, Florida State's undefeated, North Carolina, Duke, all undefeated in conference. Still a lot of football left to go. And that the ACC, it might be fun to watch down the stretch. You know, I wasn't really putting a lot of stock into the ACC, um, you know, coming into the year, just not really thinking a lot about all the other teams. I knew Florida State was going to be good. You know, I, I was one. I, I still have Florida State in the playoffs. I picked them at the beginning of the year saying Florida State's going to make it to the playoffs. And right now they're they're, they're holding. They're holding, right? <laughs> you know, uh, they, they've been tested a couple times. But the ACC might be fun to watch. And the reason why is to see what kind of continues on with the University of Miami. Now, look, I'm not a smart man. And I don't claim to be at times. I've I've made mistakes. Everybody has, but Mario Cristobal, what are you doing? You know, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe it. You have the game one against Georgia Tech. You know, I'm I'm in my head, you know, going, man, Florida State, Miami, that's gonna be a big game again. You know, from what used to be wide, you know, all the, the big classic games of Florida State, Miami, set up. And I'm watching it, and they're continuing to run the ball and run the ball and run the 
they get to a point where all they got to do is kneel. That's all they got to do. Kneel the damn ball. The game's over. You beat Georgia Tech. You stay undefeated. You move on. But no. Another run play is called. You should not be handing this football off. Right. I don't know what Miami is doing. That's it. Here's Cheney, the straight ahead, tackled, and the ball popped out. You've got to read the clock. I mean, read the card. I mean, to and me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Kyle Kennard comes up with the fumble. You should not be running the football. I mean, right. it, it is, it, you should be taking a knee. You should be taking a knee. You know, I don't blame the kid. You know, I feel bad for the young man at running back because – they continually run him right into the middle of the line of scrimmage. Bam, bam, you know, slamming it. Of course, they're punching at the ball. It's the end of the game. And, you know, I, I don't blame that young man. I blame the coach. The coach put him in that position. One of the biggest mistakes. But then you're like, all right, you still got to go the distance. You still got to find a way to score. And they did. For the screen. Here's King from the pocket. Flush to his right with six. Going to loop it downfield. And ball is caught. Touchdown, Georgia Tech. With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary hauls it in. I mean, I'm going to say it. It needs to be said. That's one of the biggest coaching mistakes at this level that I have ever seen in my lifetime. You should not be running the football. You run the football or fumbles, and then you give up a score. That is devastating for a 4-0 Miami team to get their first loss of the season on a sequence like that. Haynes King throws to Christian Leary from 44 yards. Absolutely terrible. And bad defense. Again, we're talking about bad defense. You know, at the end of the game, they, they don't let any anybody behind you. The Miami defense, there was four guys chasing that receiver down. Four guys. Unreal. Could not believe what I was watching. And you've seen the highlights of the young man on the bench from Miami mouthing, what the blank are we doing? And it's true. What were you guys doing? Huge blunder by Mario Cristobal. Now on to the game of the day. And of course, you know, I'm an Oklahoma guy. I love it. Cotton Bowl, Dallas, Texas, the eyes of the football world on the Sooners and the Longhorns. The final regular season. I say regular season meeting because I was hoping with the outcome of the game that you could possibly look forward to December in a rematch in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. Texas already have gone to Tuscaloosa, beating Bama, moving up the ranks. Many not buying Oklahoma and their team with who have they played. Oklahoma's fake like Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports, one of the worst takes ever. The best eyes in college football. Buddy, I got glasses. Do you need to borrow them? You need to get your eyes checked. It's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. You know, I, I could get challenging and saying, I don't think they've played the competition. Because I even said myself, as an Oklahoma fan, I was reserving judgment on this team until I saw them play a bigger, faster opponent. And this was in front of me. Texas, for all intents and purposes, everything in front of Texas was a better team on paper. The athletes, what you saw at the Tuscaloosa, you know, in the Alabama game. But this game had everything. I mean, the first quarter was, I, I, I couldn't believe everything I was seeing. I mean, the early interception, 
a block punt, a fake punt. Texas coming down on a fourth one, bringing in Savion Red to you know hit a tight end. Another interception. What could have been a fumble that was re- that was reviewed not a fumble. Oklahoma runs a reverse kickoff. It was called a forward pitch, which it was the right call. Texas was supposed to run a backward pass, which I'm glad they didn't because I think Xavier Worthy might have freaking scored on that kick return. But the first thing I'm going to admit, Oklahoma has a defense, guys. They have a defense. Danny Stutzman, Gentry Williams, Ethan Downs, Peyton Bowen, Woody Washington, the depth of the line. Now, Texas gained over 500 yards, all right? I mean, but I, it didn't feel that way. And when I went back and looked at the statistics, I'm like, damn, Texas gained a lot of yards. But watching the game, it was a different feel than watching Oklahoma in the past. There's still a lot of fundamental good that Oklahoma is doing. The flowing to the football. There's not a lot of egregiously missed tackles. Running around before the snap, not knowing what's going on. But the defense is going after the ball at all times. Whether it's the DBs looking to jump routes, players punching at the ball, or freshmen like Peyton Bowen just lowering the boom. I thought he killed Quinn, uh, Quinn Ewers. And the Sooners defense had an amazing goal line stand. Texas brings in, who, who, and I'm going to tell you, I was, I, I, I thought the guy from Cincinnati was really good, but Tavonje Sweat, impressive. That's an impressive athlete. I, I hope as a Washington Commander fan, I'd love to see Tavonje Sweat come over to the Commanders. Bring him. But a goal line stand, three plays that Oklahoma stuffs them on the run, and on the fourth down, they go for it. A little screenplay to Xavier Worthy. It was really close. Now, there should have, there probably should have been a face mask call on that. Texas outgained Oklahoma 527 to 486 yards, but Texas lost the turnover battle. And the game was crazy. And this was Dylan Gabriel's legacy victory for the Sooners. Gabriel played turnover free football. He made plays with his legs, with his arms. And the iconic pitcher with blood stains on his pants led the team 75 yards in five plays. 285 yards and one big touchdown through the air. Led the team in rushing with 113 yards and one touchdown. Becoming the first Oklahoma quarterback to throw for over 250 and rush for over 100 in the Red River rivalry. Think about that. Let that sit in. Not Kyler. Not Jalen. Not some of the the quarterbacks that have played in the past. Fantastic game. Now, I'm going to tell you, the final six minutes were so intense. And it started with Jonathan Brooks, who was another amazing running back. You lose B. John Robinson, and now you bring in Jonathan Brooks. Here's Jonathan Brooks. Made the pick early. Now Brooks makes the cut. It's base. Brooks accelerates. Texas touchdown. Touchdown. Texas ties it. Now, I, I like Brooks. That, that young man. He, he's dangerous. Every time he touched the ball, I got a little bit worried. You know, got a little bit worried. Oklahoma gets the ball back, really can't do anything. Now, the Texas offense got a little bit conservative. Texas goes down the field, looking for a chance to, you know, go ahead, score. Texas got the ball back. Couldn't run out the clock, left too much time, but they did take the lead. Drives it. Clutch. Auburn, with plenty of distance to spare, comes up big. Hurt Auburn comes up big. I mean, the Texas kickers have been clutching this rivalry uh, the last 10 years. Dicker the kicker, 
and 18. I mean, just some clutch kicks. But then, still in Gabriel. It was time for Gabriel to make his legacy moment. 75 yards, five plays, hooked up with Drake Stoops. Big chunk play. And he made his moment. Gabriel. Porches touchdown, Nick Anderson. And you hear Nick Anderson yelling. I mean, that young man, a, a couple of things. Great play design. And when, you, when you're close to the goal line, I've heard people you know, really breaking them down. So when you have multiple wide receivers in the formation and you start to bring somebody in motion, you're trying to make the defense think, especially in a very tight area. Is somebody going? Is somebody switching? What's going on? The route happens, okay? And when I first see the play developing and I'm watching it on TV, I was like, holy crap, I think Dylan Gabriel just threw the ball out of bounds. I think I think he was throwing it out of the back of the end zone. Austin Stogner's getting held big time on the play. But there's Nick Anderson. No catches on the day. But again, like I said, when Tom Jackson and Chris Berman used to do the Sunday night, the fastest three minutes, all, all Chris Carter did was catch touchdowns. That's all Nick Anderson's doing. That's all he's doing. Catch touchdowns. 11 catches, six of them have been for a touchdown. None bigger than that one. None bigger than that one. All right. I think what it, it just, it's, that was his moment. That, that was his moment. And Dylan Gabriel, for all the haters, that's, that's for y'all. He played great. He played turnover free football. There's so many great plays in that game. And, and I love that Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was there. Your mark, the Big 12 commissioner, wasn't there. That's fine. But Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was there. And he saw what this rivalry is. And it was a great game. It was an entertaining game. I, I enjoyed it. You know, and if Oklahoma couldn't have got anything done and they won, and Texas would have won on that field goal, it was a fantastic game. Coming back from 49 nothing last year, which a lot of Texas fans, that's what they want to keep saying. Um, I see a lot. And again, a lot of... I, I try not to let social media get into it because there's there's a lot of people who like to troll and just have you know fun Twitter tough guys all that stuff keyboard keyboard heroes. Neither team played a good game. I mean, played their best game because you know I see a lot of Texas saying, "Well, we didn't play our best game." Turn the right, you didn't. Neither did Oklahoma. We let a punt get blocked. Dylan Gabriel before half threw a poor pass, which should have been a walk in touchdown for Tywee Walker. And we scored right out of half. And you go up for. I mean, there was multiple times that Oklahoma could have put the game away. Neither team played their best game, but for Brent Venables and what the world saw from that Oklahoma team last year, and what you see now, I tip my hat. I tip my hat, and I can't wait to see you guys come out to the SEC. Me living here in Birmingham, bring it. I'm ready. I can't wait to see you guys in Auburn. I can't wait to see all the Sooner faithful in Oxford and to see where the rest of this season takes us. Now, we did find out Andrew Anthony is going to be out for the remainder of the year, and that sucks, man. He was a leading receiver, and I love what Anthony was bringing to you know, the, the, the wide-receiving group. But Jaleel Farouk, Gavin Freeman, Drake Stoops, Nick Anderson, guys, you got to step up. Next man up. But it was a great game. Oklahoma wins, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here 
for it. How the top 10 fared last weekend. I mentioned number one, Georgia beat Kentucky. Number two, Michigan routed Minnesota 52 to 10. Snooze. Michigan's pretty damn good. I would probably, they're, it, they've not really struggled at all this year. You know what I'm saying? Texas lost to Oklahoma, the number three team. Ohio State was struggling early with uh, the young Tongue of Iloa brother. 37 13, they beat Maryland. Florida State handles Virginia Tech 39 17. The number six, number seven, and number eight teams were all idle. So Penn State was idle. Washington was idle. Oregon was idle. Now, number nine, USC. And I'm not trying to steal his line, but, you know, funny man who you see on here and, you know, how Alabama fans watch the game struggle win. That's right. USC down 17 multiple times down big to Arizona, who's not a great team. But just a lack of defense again. Alex Grinch, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get. Maybe he's got compromising photos of Lincoln Riley. I just don't get how he's still a part of this football team because you're going to cost a generational quarterback a chance to play for a national title. You are. Number 10, Notre Dame loses to Louisville. So the rankings come out. There was a big shakeup. Georgia first place. They got 50 of the votes. Number two, Michigan, 11 first place votes. Now there's always going to be some yahoo. Number three, Ohio State with one first place vote. Stop. Number four, Florida State, one first place vote. I, I still don't even put them in first place. Oklahoma goes from number 12 to number five. I love it. Number six, Penn State. Number seven, Washington. Number eight, Oregon. Now that's the matchup this weekend. The big matchup. We're going to talk about that later in the week as we look ahead to the top five games to watch this weekend. Texas falls back to number nine and USC stays at number 10. Notre Dame drops out of the top 10 with their loss. And, and we'll see. But I mean, you know, now Oklahoma. You're right in the mix. You're right in the mix. you got a bye week coming up, which I'm a little bit concerned about because now you have the bye week. You have the news of losing Andrew Anthony, and you also have two weeks of everybody telling you how good you are. Coming up next day, 11 a.m. kickoff, not this weekend, but next weekend against UCF, Dylan Gabriel's old team. I know Dylan wants to go and show out. I want to see how they respond after a big emotional win. To me, that's the next step for this Brent Venable's team, the mindset, it's different than what Lincoln Riley teams were. Lincoln Riley teams can never put away anybody. And I love seeing what I do from this Brent Venable's team. I I think they're absolutely amazing. But, uh, man, I tell you, so what I really like, I've mentioned before, and I'm I'm close to, I think Friday, I'm going to do an interview with Greg Christian. He's the creator of the Stadium Reviews website that I've been using. He's going to come on. He's going to talk about you know kind of what brought him into this, and I'm I'm here for it. I love it, you know, especially with what I'm doing with this podcast and being food and being sports. I think it's a great combination, and get his thoughts on how he came up with this idea, you know, the work he's put into it, and what he's done. But this week, we're going somewhere special. Ah, that's right. Heading to the Great Pacific Northwest. I love it. Heading out to Husky Stadium. 
where the Washington Huskies will host the Oregon Ducks, a top 10 matchup. Husky Stadium since 1920. Beautiful Husky Stadium. You've got the Husky Navy outside the Puget Sound. They're ha- I mean, it's, it's beautiful. You can't go wrong. It's one of the most picturesque stadiums in the country. The softball field is right next to it. And of course, Oklahoma softball's had some memories there. But a beautiful stadium. Alaska Airline Field at Husky Stadium. But you know, a good food scene up in the Pacific Northwest. You always hear, you know, you think about, you hear Portland, Voodoo Donuts, stuff like that. But we're going to talk about what we could do at the Chef. When we go to the stadium. So we're going to take a look at the food that they offer at Husky Stadium. Pizzeria La Roca. Calzones. Now I wonder if that's the locale calzone zone. Chips, pretzels, uh, pretzel beef sticks, soft pretzels with cheese, soda, water, beer, multiple sections at the stadium. Now, I love this. Kid Valley. Cheeseburgers, french fries, garlic fries. You know, you got to have something for the kids if you take them to the game. The Heritage Stand, you got your soda, water, beer, hard seltzers, portable beer stands all through the concourse. Touchdown Concession Stand. Classic hot dogs, nachos and cheese, pretzels with cheese, Popcorn, peanut soda, your traditional, you know, your traditional game food that you always see. The Juma Nacho House, nachos with all toppings, chili cheese nachos, hot chocolate, because it does get cold up there. That that wind blowing off the lake, sure it's pretty cold. Hot coffee, soda, water, beer, good stuff. Now some of the newer things that you can get at Husky Stadium. Walk through brew stand. Fans looking to pick up chips and drinks via an express lane, which, again, a great idea. If you're looking for something quick, I love that. Get me in, get me out, let me get back to the state, you know, to the seat so I can watch the game. Love it. The induction cart, pulled pork fritter sandwiches. Come at me, bro. I love some good pulled pork. But a pulled pork fritter sandwich? I'm intrigued. I'm there. Ivar's. Now, this, I'll say this. I'm a huge fish and chips fan. I love fish and chips. And at Ivar's, you get fish and chips combos, salmon burgers, chicken and fries, clam chowder. Ooh. Wonder if it's white or pink clam chowder, but coffee, soda, water, beer, more. Ivar's Bigfoot stand. You know, the reports of Bigfoot in the area. Quarter pound hot dog, hot links with chips, brats, popcorn, soda, water, beer. Good stuff there. Then the touchdown terrace. And I know I mentioned this when I was talking about the Cardinal Stadium. Salad wraps. Uh, okay, it's a wrap. Caesar salads. Why, why are we doing salads again, guys, at football stadiums? I mean, look, I love Caesars. I do. I love Caesar salads. But I'm not freaking eating them at a football game. Now, if it's in a wrap, if it's a Caesar wrap, I might eat it. But I'm not going to sit there with like a plastic container with a big salad in it. Sushi rolls, okay. You know, I get it up there. It's popular. Edamame, you could probably put them in like a little fry carton and eat it like that if you got some good edamame. Soda, water, beer, and more. But again, with the with the, with the the salads at football games, I guess it's a West Coast thing. I've not seen that anywhere 
from Oklahoma East. I'm just saying. A couple of dessert choices at Hussey Stadium. Snack stand in Section 104, kettle corn, which I'm not a fan of kettle corn. Now, I like caramel corn. Um, you know, the Chicago mix with the caramel corn and the cheese corn. I like that. I'm just not a fan of, of kettle corn. Never been a fan of kettle corn. Cotton candy, good stuff. Dippin' Dots, ice cream of the future. Gotta love that. Trophy cupcakes. A little, that's a little much at, at a football game. You know, mushing cupcakes in your face like you're trying to take a bite of a cupcake. Something big happens and you get cupcake up your nose. Candy. Fans will find candy at most concession stands. Of course, you know, your classic M&M's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. But again, I want to say thank you to Stadium Reviews. This website's been awesome. And again, Friday, I plan on having Mr. Christian on to talk about everything and how he did a great job kind of really bringing this website to fruition. You know, because I think, again, with people that I know in Oklahoma, people I know in Texas, with Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC, or if you're planning a trip, like this weekend, I'm going I'm going to a game this weekend. I'm going to Atlanta to watch the Commanders and the Falcons play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I cannot wait. And I started looking at some of the stuff. The parking. And it's not just about the food. You see the parking. Safety. Everything involved. Bag policy. Get the bag policy. So I think it's great. I'm just, I'm really excited. And man, I just, I can't wait to have him on. He, you know, just kind of that combination, that passion for sports and food. I love it. I love it. But guys, that's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive. May your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.